Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Hello, Hattiesburg. Pete Thamel. You can hear like Morgan Freeman in the voiceover. <laughs> After a century and a half, the closest of friends become the arch nemesis. <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. You think there was a tailgate at Princeton Rutgers in 1869? <laughs> Probably was. Pinky's out, Chardonnay. You can see it from a mile away. <laughs> and here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. We are taping this thing on uh, Thursday, August 20th. And I, I'd like to say is at this moment, we are two weeks, two weeks away from college football. Games are scheduled to be played two weeks from now. Will they happen? I don't know. But I hope so. As long as they can be done safely. Uh, and I got we got some barn burners. <laughs> We got an alphabet soup of directionals. (laughs) UAB is playing Central Arkansas. Southern Miss is playing South Alabama. All scheduled. They could swap that up. They could make a little round robin. Might as well. Let's see. Live pod in Hattiesburg. Live pod in Hattiesburg. There we go. Yeah, you know, uh, shoot. Maybe we have... Maybe we could send two of us to Hattiesburg and one to Birmingham and, like, have a, you know, a, a, a combo live coverage thing. Somebody at decrepit Legion Field and somebody at the Rock, as they used to call the Southern Miss uh, Stadium. Bring it on. You dr- you can drive under the stands at that stadium. Yeah, right. There's like a road right <laughs> underneath the At least last time I was there. It well could have been updated. I'm sure we have robust listenership in Hattiesburg that can update me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I but, think uh, probably. 2005 was, I think, my last visit to, to Hattiesburg. For for football, I've been there subsequently for a little Larry Eustachy basketball, but that's a whole other deal. I think those two schools are not very far apart, but if you take those southern back roads <laughs> that you got to get there, it's like seven hours on a bus. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 180 miles, Mobile. seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, 50 miles by the crow flies, as they would say down there, but you wind around the Mississippi roads, dude. Mobile to Hattiesburg. Don't go too that's fast. Question. Those Mississippi State troopers, nothing better than to stop the old South Alabama bus. If they were uh, staggered, you could maybe get to both of them. Like, right? you know, if it was like a five and a, nah, mm. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Only sports writers would even think of trying, you know? Yes. I, I think you got a lot of people right now because of the threat. The threat that this season wouldn't happen. If these games are played, there will be oh. extensive viewership. Oh. 
this is going to be like the Hall of Fame game in the NFL. The pre, the, <laughs> the first preseason game, they play it at that like high school in Canton. Yeah. And everyone gets excited. Oh, yeah, here we go. And it's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes took two snaps. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm watching. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. It's like the worst football game, but they bring out the Sunday night TV lineup, like the announcers. Yeah. It's, and you're like, oh, football. Like, first you're like, football. Then you're like, oh, football. <laughs> it's probably going to be like that, but I don't care. No. I think everyone should watch because we, our way of life is under assault. Are those games on TV? Oh, like, they will be. Television? They absolutely will be. Yeah. There's they have to no be. No doubt. They have to be. Yeah. yeah. I'll watch them on Facebook. I'll watch yeah. them on Twitter. <laughs> I'll watch them on Snapchat. I'll watch them on TikTok. I'll do dances to see them. All right. Yeah, like, just one minute bursts on TikTok. <laughs> yes. Just, yes, yes. Every play. One play, one TikTok. Why not? Probably a good way to watch football. Yeah. Kind of dull in the middle. Cuts out the middle. By part. the way, uh, 94 miles from Mobile to Hattiesburg. Nine, uh, U.S. Highway 98 will take you there through Wilmer, Loosedale, New oh. Augusta, and into Hattiesburg. Who's with me? I, you know about the Loose cops Dale. in Wilmer, right? <laughs> you got to you gotta slow down going through Looks town. like a classic speed trap right on the border. You're yeah. going to have to haul, though, because they do start at the same time. You might have to pull the high school football game there you deal go. where you got to oh, cover okay. the first oh, half at yeah. South Alabama and start yeah. booking it. I bet Southern oh, yeah. Miss is a great radio guy. <laughs> like to, you can listen in the second half. <laughs> like you clear as day. Like you're sitting next to him in the booth. <laughs> I, I did a story in Loosedale once, and it really? is a small little town. Really? Yeah. Who was in Loosedale? What was the story? Well, it was the it was a, a Charles Robinson. I wrote it. It was a this was a while ago. Poor guy. Uh, his name was uh, Billy Joe Johnson, and he was a really good recruit running back and he was supposedly going to auburn but everybody was recruiting him but he pat he he died of a shooting in a police stop and it was a huge controversy over oh what happened was it an accidental shooting was it uh because he had his own gun he got shot by his own gun he had a hunting rifle terrible he sad story yeah very intense down there yeah just yeah just awful but uh it's a nice little town otherwise Hmm. Uh, it was ruled accidental. They had a huge grand jury. And, oh, really? Yeah, but that did not satisfy anyone. This is about, I mean, if this happened today, yeah, this was like kind of pre-social media. Right. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It would have been a huge thing. Uh, we were like the only reporters from outside of the area, I think, that ever even went down there. Not exactly warmly received at, by all, but uh, that's yeah. all right. It's kind of part of the deal. Been a couple times in Loosedale, but yeah, very sad. Billy Joe Johnson was that. I think he led this the local high school to like a state semifinal and like was big time. So anyway, you want to look it up? Uh, I'm sure the story's still online. Uh, it is a heck of a story. I will say that uh, it's way too complicated to get into. And but if you want to look it up, go ahead. It's Billy. Billy is spelled B I L L E Y. It's misspelled because his dad was named the same way, Billy Joe Johnson Sr., and his dad was born at a time when African-Americans could not be born in a hospital. Holy moly. So he's born Jeez. at home, and then whoever wrote out Billy just misspelled it. Jeez. Incredible. Wow. <laughs> a crazy little side fact. Like, not William. Mm-hmm. They just spelled him Billy. Um, so that as a almost point of pride, they named, the son kept the name. Didn't think we'd go to that that element today. <laughs> no. All right, look. Curveball. Yeah, that's not really an uplifting one either, but uh, Billy Joe is not forgotten, and uh, that's probably a good thing. Anyway, the Big Ten. 
I think it's the news of the week. We've had, obviously, we talked about earlier this week, we recommended that the Big Ten try to explain itself in some kind of a fashion. They finally did because they were getting absolutely roasted everywhere. I don't know that this is really going to cut things down, but uh, I did think it was obviously you had um, Kevin Warren come out and say, commissioner saying, we will not revisit the vote. Didn't want to give details to a vote. Was there a vote? All this. But that should end the the, the kind of just outrageous stories that, you know, half the league was still going to play a season and all of that. That was never happening. They did kind of explain their their rationale. They're, they're worried about a number of different things, which I think we've always been saying. And they would have saved themselves a lot of grief, I think, if they had done that previously, but they didn't. Pat, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Big Ten kind of explaining itself? Yeah, um, I thought that it needed to happen. I think explanation still was not total. It was not thorough and complete. But at this point, it's over. And I would love for everybody in the Big Ten to stop complaining. My God, the fans there that just are, are turning this into like this incredible social injustice, you know, and I, I am sick to death, quite frankly, of the complaining about it as like you, you've, you've got one choice now, man, you can move on or you can just sit there and wallow in this bizarre idea that somehow you have been maligned or, or prone to an injustice of, of such a grand scale when there's a pandemic going on, man, there's a lot of bad stuff happening out there. Stuff is getting canceled, postponed, rescheduled left and right in every element of our lives. Football included. Sorry, football is not immune to this. 40% of the FBS has decided not to play. This is not just one crazy-ass commissioner who said, we're not playing. It's 40% of the FBS. It is most of Division I, if you count FCS. And... Quite frankly, I think it's a perfectly defensible position. You want to try to play? Fine. You don't want to try to play? Fine. And I can understand being disappointed, but the level of anger and the the misplaced rationalizations that have gone into trying to justify why people are still angry is amazing to me. We can go into that if you want, but I mean, the the amount of like, the the economy of our town is ruined. Guess what? The economy of your town was already ruined. Your five-game schedule, home schedule, in front of 20% of the fan base is not going to make everything fine, all right? So you're not saving the economy with a fall schedule. Uh, I'm just – I'm over it, man. I am over it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll divert a different track to a, a little bit. I, I do agree with Pat. Like, the Big Ten – did pretty much everything right until it got in the red zone on this decision. And those those final five fateful days, like, look, nobody should have been surprised or shocked or whatever. A lot of this outrage has been manufactured with, you know, through a myopic perspective. Like the Big Ten for six weeks stood outside in bright orange clothes, waved their arms and said, We'd be we're very concerned about a season. This is a day to day situation. There may not be a season. We don't even want our players to put on pads and go in contact because we don't feel like that's safe. All right. So I feel like they did everything right to prepare their constituents to get to the point. And from the Friday night to the Tuesday, they announced it. It was really poorly handled internally communicated poorly internally, and then the public messaging 
was, you know, an abject failure. And the biggest failure of it was the eight days it took to clean things up. This could have been a maybe 48-hour dust-up, and they just allowed it to become this, like, searing, crazy mess. I was during this pandemic, like, to sort of step back and think, like, 10 years from now, when things are normal again, we're going to remember that crazy time. And one of those things is going to be like, remember that time Sean Wade's dad <laughs> waged a peaceful protest <laughs> at the Big Ten offices? <laughs> like, remember when that was a thing? Like, like that is that is completely insane. <laughs> if you, like, <laughs> um, Now, the public squabbling was a bad look. The coaches, I get it, they're angry. But the the lack of messaging prompted the coaches, Frost, Franklin Day, Harbaugh, whoever it was, to try to message to their team and fan base. So just nothing was aligned. You always talk about these coaches and they hear alignment, alignment with the president, alignment with the athletic department, alignment with AD, whatever. The Big Ten was not well aligned in this whole thing. And I really think that one of the things Kevin Warren told me Wednesday night he wished he had done was get the medical group with the ADs. Everything was siloed. One of the parts of the problems with this process was that everything was siloed and the message, it was like a bad game of telephone and the message was miscommunicated in between. And Warren said, if he could do one thing over, he would have everyone together, explain it all, have the medical people answer the questions of the presidents because things got muddled along the way. And look, it's a tough, tough time to be a rookie commissioner, pandemic, unprecedented stakes, the whole thing. Um, you can understand why Kevin Warren didn't have his mind wrapped around the complications of the job. And I felt like Wednesday, he acknowledged his failure to execute in a lot of ways and wisely, as Pat said, tried to push things forward. And they should not rush what they're going to do in the winter slash spring. But also, I think the inertia that came with their poor messaging of the decision has slowed down the process of putting together a schedule. So it was like they like, you know, the coach saying they let the one mistake beat them twice, you know, like the the quarterback fumbles and he throws an interception, like like the Big Ten's mistakes started piling up on them. In this. Yeah, I you know, I, I agree. I, I think they they walked into a lot of this stuff and, and it, they allowed the, it to be very easily grandstanded against the coaches are going to rile up because they're there's coaches are scared. Nothing gets a coach to react quicker than any blip in recruiting that is out there. And the idea that that their league was their teams are going to get negative recruited against for not playing. Well, it, it, it will set coaches off. It's the same way they get they get really angry if there's some kind of a, you know, there'll be some column in a local newspaper somewhere that that a coach doesn't like and thinks it's threatened something, and he will go bananas at a press conference off of this and and the story which, you know, had been read by X number all of a sudden becomes 100 X. But it's like they have to address this. So I really felt these coaches were understandably upset. They're dealing with players who are upset, and they just went off. They all started going off. And the Big Ten should have seen that coming. They needed to have what coaches talk about in programs, one voice, one thing. I think the, the university presidents in the Big Ten, total fail. They're, they're the failure. Kevin yeah. Warren's the punching right. bag here. And, and he should have seen this coming, too. The Big Ten commissioners hired Kevin Warren out of the NFL. He had not worked as a college administrator. I don't know at all. I may be wrong, but I thought his background was almost extensively. I think he worked at Bon Shonigan King, right? Didn't other than that, yes, he, like, he hasn't been on a campus. It's not like they promoted the associate Big Ten commissioner or the athletic director for at Purdue became the head, the, the, the commissioner. 
Kevin Warren's more than qualified, and I'm not saying any of that. It's just he didn't have that, maybe that that sixth sense to go, oh, no, don't walk into this. Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, the Bucknuts board <laughs> is going to roast me. Yeah. And and you don't laugh because it's like, oh, that can snowball. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. right? And that's the stuff that if you've been around college athletics for that long, I mean, we when they started, we're like, I don't know, really. You're not really going to – this This is problematic. But I blame the presidents as much as anything no on doubt. that because yeah. we said it on Monday. The Arizona presidents out speaking. These Pac-12 presidents were out just stepping right in, doing interviews with local media. And that that's going to silence all but the, the – there's always going to be 5% that are going to be screaming. And, and a fan base is as big as they have in the Big Ten. That's a lot of people. So they finally got it out there. They're not going to play. This is it. But there's been a lot of confusion. It won't settle down particularly quickly. But I, I really felt like this was a, a, a messy situation. And I think uh, as much as anything, I blame these these university presidents who were kind of hiding and putting out mixed messages. And is there a vote? And they, they were doing press conferences, but they just they, they weren't on message. And I, I don't think that happens if Jim Delaney's still the, the, the commissioner. I think Kevin Warren is is – can do a great job and he's a breath of fresh air in a lot of different ways. Uh, certainly was not the biggest Jim Delaney fan. So I'm not pining for that, but you know, I, I just think this is, this was a, a learning experience for, for him on, on what can happen on, on these type of, uh, uh, these type of deals. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with both of you guys. The, the one thing I, I would like a discussion to see what you guys think. Is this really going to be a recruiting hit? For the Big Ten, or is this just they're afraid it's going to be a recruiting hit? Because afraid, I don't see. Yeah. I think that seems irrational to me to think that you're going to put off a season for three to six months or four to six months, whatever the case may be. Whenever they p- try to play, if they try to play in 2021, and all of a sudden now all the kids that liked what they were hearing from Ohio State and Penn State and Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan and Michigan State are going to say, "Oh no." No, because of that, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go to school there. I'm I'm going to look at at Alabama. I just I find that hard to believe. It, it, it's perception, though, with the coach. That's that's my point. I, I, you know, again, like you see coaches go bananas in on on some local media story yeah. that, and and it's like, you know, you had this wrong in the 17th graph of the daily, you know, college town gazette, and it's like nobody read that thing, dude. <laughs> you know, but like, but. They'll use, you know, recruiters will use anything crazy about it. I, I remember this. I remember hearing this story from Tim Floyd when he was coaching at UTEP basketball. He was the UTEP basketball coach, and there was some story came out, kind of one of these ones we do, that the border of El Paso and and Juarez might be a haven for like Al Qaeda <laughs> to sneak into America. That was the story. Oh my god. And he was recruiting somebody, and he tells me that the rival school sends this thing to the oh, mom, god. like, "You go down to UTEP, and Al Qaeda's oh, there." You know, like, <laughs> you know, like he's like, "This is the crap you got to deal with." Like, what? Yeah. Al Qaeda? Like, really? They're gonna blow up El Paso? No, I, you know, and, and you know, but that's right. That's recruiting. Yeah. Like, oh, look at this. Huh? Might not want to go there. Might not come here. So I think it's that perception. I, I I think I don't think it's a great look. I mean, I definitely think there's going to be some people that are like, yeah, I want to go where they they want to play and all that. But at the end of the day, these schools are going to get very good players because they have or 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 not good whatever they have because of their coaches. And I mean, Ohio State still yeah, Ohio State. You think people are going to bail on like, Ohio State? I just I find you want to play there. To believe. 
you may want a little bit more to play at Alabama or a little bit more to play at Georgia, but nobody sits there and goes, you chose Ohio State? Why would y'all go there? Like, no, it's a phenomenal place to play football. And they will get their share. Same with Michigan. And, you know, Michigan doesn't even contend for the title. They get great recruits. You know, so I don't think it is. But uh, what are you hearing from the coaches, Pete? I think what's driving a lot of this insanity is the fear that there will be a double-digit game SEC season and postseason and the Big Ten just sits and watches. Which, like, let's face it, there is a small percentage chance we could still see that, right? And I hope we see it. I want to see all the football we can whenever we can see it. But that is really the core of the fear is there will be this uninterrupted binge of football and they'll be in this like Big Ten nuclear winter this uh, this fall. And how rational that fear is, it, it probably depends on where you sit. But that is what has driven this. And so it's we are, you know, the, the messaging from all the places, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, we are player friendly. We support our parents. We, you know, Justin Fields is great. Like that's all the, you know, it's just basically a distraction from the baseline, which is like, oh my God, it will be a disaster if they play and we don't. And here's the thing, like to wrap the bow on Kevin Warren, like he very well made the right decision in, in three weeks. People could be saying, man, that guy was ahead of the curve because something like like there is a much better chance he's remembered making the the right decision at the forefront than the wrong decision. Because I, I am much more open to the notion we could see college football this fall than I probably was three weeks ago. I am still highly skeptical we are going to see all of it. You guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, look at what's and I think we'll get to this, but what's going on at Notre Dame and North Carolina and Michigan State and. You know, and we've let's get to it. Go right, right to it. Let's get to it. That's uh, you know, that <laughs> right now in the ACC, two of the now 15 teams are not practicing football. And, you know, maybe Notre Dame will be back uh, Friday. I think maybe they could be, be back today. I don't know. This, we're taping this again on Thursday. Uh, UNC is definitely not practicing through today. We'll see about tomorrow. I bet they don't do anything till the weekend. And they are dealing with this quandary of there's no students going to class on campus, but by golly, we're going to have a football season. Michigan State told the students not to even come to campus. They don't even have to worry about the quandary of not having a football season, of having a football season because they're not. But as we have seen these move-in weekend pictures all over the country, I think we are headed for a lot of virus spikes at a lot of campuses, and then people are going to have to justify why, if you're shutting everything down, you're still practicing football and why you intend to play football. And I think that that's going to be a hard dance for a lot of presidents, and we'll see how much stomach they have for it. I, I think that right now we have, a, we, have a, we have a game being played. We do have one contest. It is uh, college football, the promise of college football versus uh, partying tonight. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. And it is currently partying tonight, 222 <laughs> promise of college football, zero. <laughs> Cumberland, Georgia. Yeah. I don't think that uh, I think we overestimate how much college students really want college football. They want college parties. Uh, yeah. They want yes. college football because it's a yeah. party. OK, we go to the they can't fill the student section. Yeah. OK, they show up late drunk yeah they leave early to get drunk 
<laughs> I say this with a pause in my voice. Okay. There is no uh, shade being thrown on that. But the idea is like, well, we're, every student at Alabama, they're just football mad. No, they like partying. Yeah. Okay. They like football is just an, a vehicle to that party. It's a national televised party. Yeah, they want to watch some, yeah, LSU. If you told them on like, it's Friday night before the LSU game. If you guys stay in, we can play LSU tomorrow. If you go out, we can't. You'd still struggle <laughs> to get, uh, you know, 90, maybe get 90, 80, 90%. But, you know, like it's just these kids want to party. They want to, uh, this is, the college is built for community. Yep. And the, we, I mean, this is the most predictable thing of all time, of course, because we said from the start, how is this going to work? And I mean, I, I live in Michigan. I have a bunch of friends who, they have freshmen. They were supposed to go to Michigan State. My nephew goes to Michigan State. We're going, we're going, we're going. Don't come. Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks. Appreciate it. You know, two days notice. You're out. Oh, thank I'm glad I rented my apartment up here. I've got, you know, I mean, I, I understand the frustration that football parents have and football fans and all of that. And that's what we're talking about. But there's a lot of frustration amongst everyone dealing with college. Absolutely. Because this is like, what the hell? So right now, partying is crushing football. We can pretend everyone wants football, but they really don't. There's that cute girl from sociology and a, and a, and a loaded keg at some place. Where you're going. Okay, that's it. <laughs> it's really dark and Shakespearean because drinking and college football have been joined at the hip for 150 years. They have been partners in crime, the ultimate buddy movie, indelibly intertwined. And now you can hear like Morgan Freeman in the voiceover. After a century and a half, the closest of friends become the arch nemesis. Drinking is going to kill college football, and it is the darkest, grandest irony that we've seen in 150 years of this. Point. It is pretty incredible. Do you think there was a tailgate at Princeton Rutgers in 1869? <laughs> Probably was. Pinky's out, Chardonnay. Yeah. You can see it from a mile <laughs> away. <laughs> no, no, like goo. Yeah, ain't no like Chardonnay in 1869, I don't think. It's yeah, like pine cone <laughs> right. liquor or something like that. Right? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't consult my sommelier before my 1800s wine reference path. <laughs> Uh, Whatever they used to rub on open wounds in the <laughs> Civil War. <laughs> Stuff will get you sideways in a hurry, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah no, this is this is where we're at. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, so again, what I've been saying this all along. What's your standard? We keep acting like this. Right. These schools are acting like this is just like, oh, my God, the North Carolina students are partying. We're going to have to shut it down. Like, of course, they were going to party at, at Michigan State, Michigan State in the middle of the summer. We talked about this. Yeah. One bar, <laughs> one bar set off like 200 are in the state of Michigan. That was enough to spike our cases. And they had to realize, <laughs> don't like go back. We were supposed to go back like one of these whatever the hell these mood ring phases were in. <laughs> right. <laughs> But then they're like, well, it was all one bar. So you can't blame like everybody because a bunch of, you know, clowns up in Michigan State went to the all went to the same bar for one night. But I mean, come on. I mean, if you're North Carolina and this is the you have to admit this is an amateurism. You have to admit that football it. is not the other sports. And until you do this, what are we talking about? Like, oh, well, that's it. They're partying. I can't believe it. We're going to have to shut that. Of course, you're going to have to shut down. If, if that's your standard. 
If your standard is there's going to be spread amongst 20 year olds on your campus, then you don't start because this is going to happen. They need a better plan. I don't think they should shut down football because there's a breakout at this sorority house or this fraternity house or this dorm. I just don't. But how the hell didn't you know this was coming and and, and put that down in writing before? I think they did know it was coming or, or were relatively sure it was coming, but they wanted everybody to pay that housing deposit, and move in and pay your tuition and all that. And so, you know, let it happen and then pull back and, yeah, pull the rug out from under from people. I mean, the North Carolina students are literally moving out like eight days after they moved in, packing up all their stuff and leaving. And as you said, the amateurism piece of this is the big lie. That's the big problem. And people have got to get around to telling the truth about the big lie or this whole thing looks ridiculous. You know, let's just say the Board of Governors is going to approve moving all this spring or the fall championships to the spring. And the teams that are good, that have a chance to compete on national stage, will move to the spring with them. If there's some other sports, you know, like the Sun Belt may still play fall sports because they're not going to win any national championships and anything. They're doing it just to cover for football. So everybody just come out and say, look, we're playing football because we need football and we want football because it's going to drive a lot of money. And culturally, we're getting a lot of heat if we don't play. So that's why we're doing it. Just say it. You guys know the uh, the feeling when you uh, when you get a guy on the phone for a story and you're like, man. This guy's been waiting his whole life for this phone call to uh, to talk. It happens once every couple of months yeah. where you're like, I, you know, you reach out to a couple of people. So I did a story on Carolina on Yahoo on on Thursday, and I called uh, Jay Smith, uh, the history professor at North Carolina. Uh, I'm sure Jay. you've talked to him over the years, Pat. Oh, yeah. yeah, great guy. Uh, he teaches big time college sports and the rights of athletes, 1956 to present. Well, let's just say the present part of that course at North Carolina got a little more interesting the last uh, the last few days. And it, he was a great interview and, uh, you know, gave me a, a quote that I thought some things up. He said, you know, what, what UNC is doing, keeping football going with uh, with no on campus classes is basically a tacit acknowledgement that amateurism truly is a myth. We're having these guys play the sport because we need the revenue. And I thought that was just like sliced it right down. There you go. It's really difficult to uh, to argue with that. Also have to give credit to the Daily Tar Heel. Not only did they have that epic headline we talked about in the pod earlier in the week, but they also did an editorial a couple weeks ago where they basically said, we will no longer use the term student-athlete in the Daily Tar Heel because it's just disingenuous. Yeah. And quite frankly, they look pretty prescient on that one. Too. They do. Uh, the, yeah, Daily Tar Heel's two for two with their editorials that I've read in August. I, I just, you know, I, I get I get all the legal, the tax dodge, the lot, the antitrust and all that. So they can't, I guess they can't, but it's just so frustrating because it's like Notre Dame's going through this. And if you can't acknowledge that Notre Dame football is an important and nothing wrong with it entity that exists above and beyond the intercollegiate activities that they other or just, you know, intramural, like they have all those things in their dorms there. They just step one foot on Notre Dame's campus. They have this beautiful, beautiful campus and you're right smack in the middle of it not that it's not a beautiful stadium but this absolute monstrosity <laughs> is sitting in the middle where there should be a quad <laughs> and a bunch of uh, academic buildings instead there's this huge football stadium it's it's beautiful stadium you can go that anywhere you go to any of these schools and the the tallest i think uh it, it, it oklahoma like the tallest building on campus is it's a stadium and, you know, like, why do you have this huge thing plopped in the? Why do you have a hundred thousand seat football stadium that you use seven times a year? 
plopped in the middle of your campus because this is important. This is uniquely important. They have to admit that. Put the Notre Dame football team up in a hotel for the rest of the year. Don't put them in the dorms. They're not traditional student athletes. That's how you're going to play. You put them back in the dorms with all the kids. You know, I hope good luck. I really hope we get it. But like what crap shot bet is it that the football team will not contract the coronavirus while living amongst well, the students. Yeah. It, it's just because that's always been one of Notre Dame's things is the athletes live in regular dorm settings and they the freshman room with non football players, you know, you football. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But now it's a problem. Yeah. At Notre Dame is going to be a really interesting test case here. Uh, they paused practice Wednesday. They seems unlikely they're going to go Thursday. I had a source tell me they were going to te- they tested all their players Wednesday. They're obviously going to wait to get those back that take, you know, that is dependent on with an outbreak in their campus, you know, that is probably going to be pushed back. And they're obviously not going to put football player tests before those who may need them more if they're sick or whatever. So North Carolina doing this was like an interesting study, right? Because North Carolina football is like a middling, unremarkable program that's fine and, you know, moderately popular, but not that. Notre Dame in the middle of this is interesting because they obviously like to place themselves above the fray of college football. They like to stress, like Pat said, Our students live with regular students. They go to class. They have to take calculus, all these things that we've heard over the years. It will be fascinating to see as the situation at Notre Dame, the campus unfolds, how they view football through this prism, because I think it becomes an interesting test for them. And my I, I know nothing, you know, direct insight. My hunch would be Notre Dame would have less hesitancy to wave the white flag and pull out of the season than maybe some other schools. You agree with that, Pat? Yes, I do. But the interesting thing is they haven't yet. I thought maybe this would yes. would push that, and it hasn't happened. So that that's yes. interesting. Yes. They are they are going to be the probably most compelling case over the next four or five days to 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 see what to see what happens. And and remember too, like a lot of places don't haven't even had moving day yet. So right. Like Labor Day is when we're really going to get a sense of, you know, what campus environment is going to be uh, is going to be like. But it's hard to imagine, you know, UNC being some crazy outlier. Uh, Yeah. I mean, why would it be? You know, why would it be? They can buy some time. They can figure this out. They can get the better testing. I mean, I I at least want to get to see if this procedures work. I just hate to see see it go so quickly, but here we are. On a side note, maybe the opposite. I mean, you have a number of schools saying they'll they're gonna let 15, 20,000 people into games, which you know, I think can be done. It's I, I don't necessarily think, you know, it's a huge, you know, there's probably a way to get them in and out, separate them inside the stadium. Florida State just going full on, they're gonna allow tailgating. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're outdoors. Uh, you know, if you gather in a, you know, tailgate guys of Tallahassee, <laughs> gather in a smaller tent. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there's somebody down there who's studying this. So they think they can do that. It's it's a mixed bag, but we're close. We're close. We just, man, we got the big, the big hurdle. And that's why. I think, as you said earlier today, Pete, like, you know, just jumping on Kevin Warren's grave is not really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, I, I just don't know how anybody can 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 be so certain about anything when it comes that's, to this. Yeah. I, I hope that. Well, that's the big no. I anybody who says they're know. certain is an idiot or a liar. That's what I've said. You know, 
Yeah, they just play into whatever crowd they want to play right. to. It, it goes both yeah. ways. You know, I just think it's people saying can't play football. Well, I don't know. I mean, look at I, I tell you this much. The NFL, the NFL is going to play. Oh, yeah. NFL, the NFL has twenty six hundred people in camp right now. There's twenty six hundred players. They're they have a COVID IR injured reserve for COVID. There's twelve players. Yeah. On it. That's it. Yep. It's working so far yep. now. But, they're, you know, they're starting to do, you know, full contact now. The camp's going. You're going to have games and all that. But that is extremely promising. But the difference is the players in the NFL go home to their apartments. Some, You know, there's a lot of young players and stuff like that, or hotels at this time, or their big houses. And then it's really on them to police themselves in their off hours. And so far, uh, pretty good, except for that guy in Seattle who tried to sneak a Sneak his girlfriend in or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Remember oh, that yeah. one? That he, got, he got cut. So he that got was a, cut. Boom. Not a good. I mean, can you imagine losing your shot at the NFL? For that? <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, Original yeah. sin is the wingman of our two buddies drinking in college football. Yeah, like well, that, that's like not, not far from the friend group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Original sin is part of the motivation because guys can't talk to girls right. very well. Drunk. And, and Unless they're dry. All right. So, I mean. Yeah, original friends in that group chat. There's no doubt. Original Yeah, friends, I sorry, mean, let's, in that group it's, chat. it all goes together. But, yeah. yeah. If, but It all goes together. But they, yeah, and, you know, this is this is, uh, is tricky. Well, you know, one thing you did mention, Pat, about this, um, you know, our college town's going to get laid waste to uh, economically. First off, you better be fighting. Forget football. Keep your the kids in the, in the, in the dorms. Absolutely. Oh my God! Because now you lose. There's so many more businesses than just seven uh, games. But the thing is that that uh, that argument, I, I get it at the at the very local level. But uh, the fans just won't show up in your town. They'll just spend their money back at the, wherever they live. Right. And most fans going to college football games are from the state. So if you're the governor of you're the governor of Iowa. You don't really care. You know, it's not that big of an economic blow. They're dealing with much tougher times out in Iowa right now. Yeah. Let's take somewhere else. Ohio, you know, uh, Alabama. We always use Alabama for whatever reason, maybe because they're good. But it hurts Tuscaloosa's economy. But if a guy, instead of driving all the way to Tuscaloosa and buying food there and having dinner there, he has dinner back in, yeah. uh, you know, Montgomery or Birmingham. Hoover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that's good for that restaurant. Yeah. So it's not not necessarily as big of a. Yeah, it's. As big of a deal. Would you go to a tailgate right now uh, for a for a football tailgate? I think I would. Would you? I don't know. I don't know. I. It's just I, an outdoor party. Yeah, I don't go to party. I haven't been to a party in six. You can months. separate six feet. You can. It's easy Maybe. to as long as you're outdoors. I, I don't know whether I trust my fellow drunks around me to stay separated from me. I don't know. I mean, I, I have been to a couple happy hours, but those are pretty well contained. You're sitting at a table with other people. And other people are at that other table over there, and maybe that's the way. Ta- but that's not the tailgates I see. Everybody's kind of wandering around well, with their drinks. They may spread out the the cars. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be I would be TBD on that. I'd have to see more about the setup. I'd rather sit at the tailgate and then watch the game on TV than actually go inside the stadium. Would you? I'd actually feel better about that. I you, what what would be the problem going into the stadium? Well, I just think it would be boring to be inside the stadium. <laughs> Well, I just think separated inside a stadium, yeah. basically sitting alone, watching a football game. Yeah, like I'd rather be out there grilling and drinking. Picture of Dan knitting, <laughs> like, like no a alcohol football scarf. Yeah, 
Can you bring alcohol into the stadium? Is really okay, fine. there we go. Cut off. Yeah. That's... <laughs> now, my thought on tailgating is: Can the virus be passed through cornhole bags? Yeah. Well, if you've seen the Cornhole Association, the American Cornhole League or ACL, which is pretty Tor- funny Tor- name, Tor- the ACL, uh, they have protocols. Uh, they were stricter early. They've loosened them. They used to only one person could get up there, and they had an official person who would r- get the bags out a- of the hole, and then they'd bring fresh bags in for the guys to throw. So, so it was you like you couldn't handle it. You know it. this. I mean, have you, you done like – Oh, I watched. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you really surprised that – I mean, I'm very big on leisure sports. <laughs> you know, and American Cold Hole League is pretty strong, man. <laughs> Golf is Dan's like marathoning. That's how you <laughs> That's right. play. Play fifty four in a day. Uh, you know, it's very similar to the Iron oh, Man yeah, for sure. Very similar. <laughs> All right, uh, big thing we did have going uh, this week was the SEC schedule got released. Ten games. Everyone's pretty excited because there's all there's extra good games. Uh, but as we mentioned before, why I don't think this will end up being the the way it goes is because you will end up with teams getting absolutely housed like you do in in the NFL when you don't have those easy games. Missouri. Yeah. Bloodbath. It's going to be there's going to be some tears at those uh those lake bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 6 of their first 7 are against top 25 teams. Now granted top 20 top 5 means you're top 3rd at this point, yeah. but still three straight on the road. But I mean they're they're going Bama, Tennessee, LSU, Florida, Kentucky, Georgia. What could go wrong? I mean, wrong? very yeah. easily you're one and six. And, you, was, you know, I mean, so. I did. Uh, I looked. I was watching the schedule reveal on SEC Network when that came up. And my son, you know, covers uh, Missouri. And I texted him. I said, well, you got Georgia coming in off an open date for Missouri. And Georgia's coming off of the cocktail party game. I said, that could set up well. He said, Dad, there's no guarantee Missouri's even going to have enough players by then. They're going to get hammered in the weeks leading up to that. We get the conspiracy. Alabama is uh, not playing back-to-back road games. One of only four SEC teams. Mm-hmm. SEC would never take care of Alabama. What are you talking no, about? I know. Uh, yeah. What else we got? I just, I'm reading Sully's notes now. This is probably a Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee doesn't play a team on a bye. Are they play in six, orange crayon? <laughs> yeah. Play six top 25 teams. This is basically just a, yeah, it's like a a, a, a complaint book. <laughs> right. It's a ball quest message board post. Nobody has it worse than us. Nobody. Hey, come on now. Only two teams have it worse than UT, Mizzou and Arkansas. Come on now. Let's get it right. Yeah, Arkansas. This thing, it it doesn't. Anyone who thinks they should just be playing good top five, uh, power five teams. The only thing that keeps fans going when you have a bad pro sports team is you will then get the number one draft pick or the number three, (laughs) right? It doesn't work that way in college. You get worse picks. See, and that so yeah. uh, this is not a good thing. Like if you're the I don't know who's going to be horrible in the NFL this year. I can't even but you're the Jets or the you know you're sitting there going, well, all right, maybe this doesn't work out this year, but you know, if we go 3 and 3, you know, Cincinnati last year, they fans gave up on the season, but they were drooling over Joe Burrow. So it's like we're going to be good. We'll get good again. It's not going to work if Arkansas is losing 10 games every year. No, nope. that's that's the thing. And that's the, the the part of this that's funny is, you know, people say, oh, we don't like those boring games. You know what? No, fans like to see their team win. When you're not playing Presbyterian or Citadel or Louisiana Monroe and getting a 45 nothing win, 
and all you're doing is getting your teeth kicked in, eh, it becomes a little less fun. I mean, even those games that people complain about them when they see them on the schedule and not everybody shows up, but they, they walk out feeling a little, hey, we're pretty good. We're pretty, how about that running back that just ran for 180 yards on Presbyterian? He could be pretty good. You know, there's not going to be any 180 yards for the backup running back against Presbyterian because you're not playing him anymore. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a grind. All right. You know, I'm part of the science community now. <laughs> yes, we established that last uh, episode, right? Much like many people on social media who believe they can, they have the full understanding of this uh, global pandemic. Oh, yeah. Based on um, what they read and uh, their, their cousin's boyfriend, who's a <laughs> medical student, <laughs> told them one thing. I, to him now a scientist. Now, you would think that all of us in the science community around the globe would be spending our time working on the pandemic, right? You'd think we would be studying it, thinking about it, trying to come up with just whatever you can do, whatever you can do to help out. No. A group of Finnish researchers, the, the, the researchers in Finland, just conducted a study on a very important subject, a cure for hangover. Whoa. Ooh. Now yeah. they're, doing, there we go. they're doing humanitarian work there. Yeah. No, they're not taking their, their eyes off the ball up there in Finland. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, it was one of the leading countries yeah. in alcohol consumption in Europe. So on a side note, when this is over, I will be planning a vacation to Finland. <laughs> uh, Finlandia <here's>, on tap. <laughs> the Helsinki Times. I'm sure you guys read that. Oh, all the time. Great sports yeah. section. Paywall's um, tough, but I, I found some ways around it. They, they, they cover cross-country skiing like you can't believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So uh, they uh, had a study of uh, they got some uh, 19 healthy male volunteers to come in and consume uh, a bunch of alcohol in a three-hour control setting. And what they discovered is this uh, one amino acid that uh, I'm sure non-scientists wouldn't understand, so I won't try to explain it to you. Basically, it will alleviate uh, stress, anxiety, and, and and take care of the nausea and headache related to to a hangover. They these guys had to drink, and then they were they asked uh, to swallow a placebo or the uh, tablet, and uh, very promising results. Uh, it actually also helped reduce the need of drinking the next day. Which um, again, I don't 19. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> seems like it's happy hour at the local bar to me but uh that actually would be quite you know alcoholism being an important uh thing uh however i gotta say uh, this study so this is i mean this is good news for all of us right there's a potential sure cure for a hangover would be would be tremendous development for well i mean some of us <laughs> i don't i'm not gonna you know maybe me maybe not but <laughs> I'm going to peer review this, and uh, it says right here, the study uh, ran into certain difficulties, and this is, this is uh, where I think the science is off on these Finland guys. Some participants weren't able to consume all the alcohol required, so they had some lightweights yeah. in there. That's yeah. not good. They must have been from Norway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're moderate, us Norwegians. Okay. Then we have the opposite. Some had such high tolerance levels that they experienced no hangover <laughs> symptoms. Shout out to those guys. Yep. I always hated those people. Like they you know, drink all night, they sleep four hours, and then they just wake up the next day like, yeah. And you're like, you know, you feel like you have like a jackhammer in your skull and you're just like, I hate you. You know, you guys are all familiar with my uh, friend Murph. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's, who's cure for a hangover is to go for a jog. Ugh. 
and he at six in the mm. morning and then he comes back. He's literally dehydrated by seven thirty and he's fine. <laughs> really? Hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make any no. sense. No, <laughs> but, no. Uh, I don't do 6 a.m. jogs even without a hangover. Yeah. Well, then here's my favorite group of the uh, 19. Some were sidelined from the participating because they insisted on topping up the dose by heading to the bar. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? <laughs> so some of these Finnish guys were like, wait, free booze for three hours? I'll do it. And at the yeah. end, they're like, you got to take the pill. Ah, we're out of here, man. Yeah. We're just pre we're just pre-gaming. <laughs> they're all exchange students at the University of North Carolina, maybe. I don't know. God bless them. Finland, by the way, uh, here's your here's your do you know why they're not studying the virus? Finland's average daily cases, 23. United States average daily cases, yeah. 47,000. So, you know. Which is like yeah. way down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From right. like three weeks ago. Yeah, we're doing better. Yeah. We're doing better. We're catching yeah. them. Yeah. 23 we're cases a day in Finland. Not not real front burner. There's way more hangovers uh, in Finland, are. I'm guessing, each day. You can see it. So maybe this is good good on finish. But yeah, I like these guys. Just come out of here. It's the worst study. How did that even make the Helsinki Times? I got to question the news judgment of the Helsinki yeah, Times. See, that's because it's the, it's not cross-country skiing season. They're, they're, they're losing their fastball now. All right, we got one other alcohol-related story. This is something called <laughs> the auto brewery syndrome. Okay. Okay, you think this is like driving to the brewery? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Pat, I think you've suffered from that. Uh, apparently, the auto brewery syndrome is real. Uh, got a f- And uh, its rare condition involves excessive fungal growth in the gut, mm. which feeds on carbohydrates and produces ethanol and fuels ethanol production, <laughs> which in turn can make someone drunk. Really? So you're like brewing your own uh, beer in your gut? Signs of intoxication persist, even though you haven't drank. Hmm. That's what they're saying. Okay. Uh, and this 47-year-old, unnamed 47-year-old, claims he was feeling drunk, even though he didn't drink any alcohol. And so he, the doctors are claiming he may have had this uh, rare issue uh, and needed like a transplant or something. All right. Do you believe in this auto brewery syndrome or is this just some guy trying to tell his wife <laughs> no honey i did not drink all day with the guys it's a medical condition <laughs> and would this work could this work man you- we haven't had a people's court in a while how about we people's yeah, court this? i think we need to people's okay. court it do you uh justice 40 do yeah. you do you accept the we'll take a bench trial on this. Do you accept the the defense of this drunken 47-year-old that no, absolutely not? How could you even suggest have the gall to insult me and suggest I was day drinking? I have auto brewery syndrome. You're ruling. All charges dismissed. This guy walks free, <laughs> walks free and walks down to the bar immediately and has two shots and four beers and says, you're not going to believe what I pulled off. But I, I love the uh, I love the brass of it. I love the the uh, the creativity to come up with it. 
You know, it's uh, it takes it takes a little bit of work, but here's what you do, man. This is just like what we're seeing in college sports. You find your own medical expert that says what you want him to say. <laughs> the virus is under control. There are no heart issues. Play football. On the other side, the virus is out of control. Big heart issues. Same, you know, same profession. This guy, you go get your your autoimmune brewery dude and said, get him in there and say, oh, absolutely. He's got a, he's got an absolute Paps distributorship in his stomach. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Free, innocent. Let's see, there's no way a jury would listen to this if the jury had any females on it because they'd be like, I've heard every excuse in America and your stomach brewing its own alcohol in order to get you drunk is the single lamest excuse. They've heard it from a spouse. They're four-year-old. That's like the, like Eminem spilled on the floor, the kid with chocolate on their mouth and then being like, nope, wasn't me. It was the fairy chocolate person. Like, this doesn't make any sense. That dude's, I don't know what he'd be charged with, but that dude is not walking free to the bar to drink and laugh. Come on, man. Nobody's falling Come on. It's a medical thing. It's right here <laughs> right on the internet. There. It's right here yes. on the internet. Oh, it's on the internet. So then it has to be true. <laughs> it even has an abbreviation. ABS. How about that? See? It's got an abbreviation. Then you know what's <laughs> going to be coming next is one of those commercials for a cure, or a product, you know, that with a, some made up word. It'll be. Why would you want to cure it? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I love in those commercials when they show them and like everyone's happy because oh, yeah. their erectile dysfunction is cured or their whatever is cured. And then there's like, this could cause and it lists yeah. like 97 things that include like imminent death, your heart exploding, your ears falling off, your yeah nose hair getting on fire. Other than that, that's yeah. great. Other than that, be happy and dance around because, yeah, Brutopia yes. is yeah. here. Dance around yeah. in like a field of lilies. Yeah, yeah well, that's, this is what, you know, what do they call it? Side items? What do they call it? Uh, side effects oh, include yeah. having to go yeah. pumpkin picking with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> having to have a long walk through the foliage <laughs> instead of watching the game. That's the real side effect. You got to sit in two two tubs sitting out in the woods. That's it. You got to. What's that one where they sit in the sit in the tubs and hold Pick hands? Pick up two bathtubs and carry them into a wooded area and then, yeah, get in them. Yeah, you got to haul the tub up the mountain. <laughs> Then you got to fill it up. You know, the tub's going to be cold. You got to sit there and hold hands. That's the side effect. I don't want to spend my Sunday doing that. Freaking Packers are on, man. You you do realize if this college football apocalypse continues, which we're all fearing and loathing, that this is really just going to turn into an apple picking podcast. <laughs> we're just going to start getting emails and tweets from all these guys who avoided apple picking for oh, yeah. all these years. Yeah. And now the apple picking is coming. Like <laughs> I would buy stock in apple orchards right now. Is there is there anything on the New York Stock Exchange that you could you could cash in on apple picking? The apple because that is, is going to become coming. the boom industry. It's going to be like like a dude with like Bama bangs and like his dirty tied hat, and he's just going to be there like, yeah, we should have been playing Mississippi State today. <laughs> I love it. It's true. Talk about hazardous to your health. <laughs> All right. On that uplifting segment. <laughs> Free the stomach brewery, man. Yeah. 40, unnamed 47-year-old. <laughs> anyway. 47-year-old uh, <laughs> Bruins fan in Michigan. <laughs> I happen to know a few 47-year-olds that with are With an affinity for Bush Light. <laughs> saying. Anonymous. Got to protect that anonymity now. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast. Please share it on social media. We appreciate all the uh, 
all the uh, chatting uh, on there, the, the feedback, great stuff. Uh, we even received a handwritten letter. that? Those don't even happen anymore. Yeah. Fan Nat mail. Long of, Nat Long of Marietta, Georgia. Thank you for your letter. He wrote a letter in and uh, suggested that we get the dead Schembeckers to make a theme song for our podcast. And so we're going to endeavor to try. I think that was a tremendous idea. Dead Schembecklers, if you're listening. Yeah. We need Bo you. We're going to reach Bo out. Biafra. Get in touch with me. Yeah. Classic. We've given you a lot of publicity through the <laughs> years. We will point. play one of your <laughs> songs here on the way out. I don't know which one, but we'll figure one that doesn't have too much swearing in it. <laughs> so we're here for you. We can work something out. But I uh, appreciate all the uh, the uh, the sharing and the, the reviews and all that. So keep it up. Two weeks. We're getting close. We're getting close. Hello, Hattiesburg. They call us dead Schembecklers. Pigskin Brotherhood. Fighting for Ohio. Righteousness and good. To our savior, Woody, we pledge our very soul. And when we die, we're going to hell to rake Wolverines over the cold. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.